Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Shannon Robnett. Shannon has over 25 years experience and has been involved from start to finish on over $350 million in construction projects. He's the founder and CEO of an investment property management and construction company based in Boise, Idaho. Welcome, Shannon. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Hey, Gary, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, you know, I'm a second generation builder and developer. I'm a fourth generation realtor. I'm a third generation pilot. So we kind of have this thing where we do everything generationally, right? But, you know, I just grew up in an entrepreneurial home and I always saw, it was funny because I actually said this to Robert Kiyosaki when I met him. When I grew up, I read his book when I was 19 years old and I wasn't impressed because it was actually validating everything my parents ever did in the house, right? And you never want to see your parents be right at such a young age and then proven in writing by the number one financial author in the world. But that was my upbringing. And being able to see where I could be a commercial constructor and developer for other people and make them a lot of money was one thing. But to be able to figure out how to bring that home and make that so that I could be financially stable and control my time was another. And so I really kind of spent my time the last decade getting myself the financial freedom that I wanted so that I didn't have to go find another where Walmart to build or another doctor's office to build. I could really have control of that. And so that's really kind of been my journey. I built everything from police stations, city halls, fire stations, hospitals, schools, and now we mainly focus on industrial and multifamily as far as ground up new development. Nice. I wish my family was, you know, I'm a multi-generation in real estate. I wish it was. My parents never spoke to me about real estate. They're still in their forever home, you know, but I found my way eventually. And I'm, you know, the experience that you've had over all those years, it gives you a tremendous advantage over others. You know, and I was just talking with somebody on my last call where, you know, they asked me the question of nature versus nurture on entrepreneurship. And I really believe that this is something that it is nurture. You have to see it. It's so much easier to convince my children to do entrepreneurial things because of what they see and what they saw growing up rather than, you know, trying to have those academic conversations of why Robert Kiyosaki's book is correct if they've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, today let's talk about ground up construction. I know a lot more people are are looking to get into it because you know prices have been so high, but obviously you still have supply chain issues, labor costs going up. And like you said, you've built such a wide range of things. Very diverse resume, but let's talk about multifamily construction. You know, what do you think are some opportunities out there for multifamily ground up construction? You know, I think that we've seen, you know, especially in places like Boise, Idaho, right? When I grew up in Boise, if you lived in an apartment, it meant your parents had bad credit, right? Because there was houses everywhere. And with such an undersupply of things, we've seen, you know, 1960s genre stuff trade at, you know, five caps, four caps, just ridiculous numbers. And then the other thing that we're starting to see with inflation is that more and more of a class C and D apartment living person's paycheck goes to the rent versus a class A and a class B. And so I've found that we can always build to a cap eight with ground up new development. And then if you're looking to retrade, you've got some options there but you're always going to be getting higher than market rents. You're going to be able to set precedents uh, for things like work from home spaces in apartments, which we're now designing in really connected clubhouses that provide, you know, quiet spaces for people to actually act like they're in a, you know, timeshare office or something like that. So you can really add a lot of the amenities and you're always going to be on the front edge. The other thing that you've probably seen, Gary, is you go into town and town went this way and the apartments are that way, right? And so the new part of town, the fresh part of town is over here and everybody wants to be over here. So I've always found that there's always somebody that's willing to pay top dollar to live in the new stuff. And it's about looking at a market that has room for growth, that wants growth and being in the path of growth and then having the window that says that, hey, you know what? We're three years down the road from the initial concept to moving in. And having the vision and the ability to to forecast that, you know, a lot of my investors have looked at me and been asking lately, are we okay, right? Things are changing. But after 30 years in the business, I mean, my underwriting is still based on a five and a quarter exit on brand new product and six and a half percent mortgage rates, right? So it's kind of anticipating those things, understanding those things, and then working through those things. So I'm curious, there's more construction happening now than, I'm not sure if it was like more than ever or since in like 20, 30 years, but I've seen some stats out there. And obviously a a place like Boise where you're starting to see rents start to come down a little bit and you can read 10 different articles and 10 different things, 10 different, you know, things. So I'm curious, you know, are you still like just bullish and, and feel like we won't hit an oversupply in certain areas. Now, I mean, as a country, we're over. I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that was in the press everywhere about four and a quarter million units short. I understand it to be much, much more than that, quite honestly. So, you know, in a place like Boise, what's your sentiment as far as supply and bringing on more new construction? Well, we're doing deals from Washington to Florida. My offices are located primarily in Boise. But, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that two things. One, a lot of places, their biggest constraint for construction is housing, right? So you can't have more housing being built because you don't have enough housing for the workers that are already there. And quite honestly, apartments are where most blue-collar workers start, right? They don't start in a home. The other thing is, as we see mortgage rates increase, this is actually way better for apartments 
than it is for single family homes because people are being priced out of that American dream. And they go, well, if I can't have the three bedroom, two bath, I'm just going to go live in a really nice apartment. And an apartment, they don't really look at an income requirement too often, right? So when I look at that, I think that this inflationary period and this elevated mortgage period that we're looking at that really is normal, Gary, you and I know this, we've been in the game long enough to know that this is normal, but this re-raising of the interest rate actually spells out more apartment people than single family home buyers. So I was bullish on it a year ago. I'm really bullish on it now because we're driving people to this same point. We're pushing them back to the same point where this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how things are being done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We keep going more and more of a renter nation and there's yeah. data to back that. And that's the truth, right? I mean, I had the conversation with my son. I had to literally threaten to beat him to get him <laughs> to buy a house, right? Because of the trauma that he saw in my life and all of his friends and family's lives growing up. 2008, he was 10 years old, right? He saw all the angst around a house. He didn't ever want to own a home, right? Then I explained to him, go ahead and stop making your house payment. See how long it takes to kick you out versus a landlord. A landlord will be there in 30 days, right? The bank will take nine months. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you tell a guy that wants to start building some multifamily? What are the, some of the biggest lessons they might not know and that you've learned over time that they should be looking out for? You know, I think the easiest way for somebody that wants to begin building is to buy something that was brand new, right? Something that was recently completed and then find all the things wrong with it. You know, when we go in and build apartments, we do a design build. So we do it a little bit different where we start with the plumber, the heating and air guy, the foundation guy, the structural, the framer, right? And we bring the subcontractors and we put them around the table and we say, this is your budget to create this, right? Most people look at it, they go to the architect, the architect draws the Taj Mahal, they go to the builder, the builder says, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so glad to see somebody that wants to spend $90 million on this apartment complex. But they freak out, they slash everything, they come back and it, you know, it looks stripped down like a McDonald's, right? But the reality is when you start with the stakeholders, nobody knows how to plummet more economically than the plumber, right? Nobody knows how to get you what you want, like the subs that are actually going to do it, where, there's, where you're not dealing with change orders, you're not dealing with these things. And the other thing that I don't see a lot of people do, I see everybody wants to be the guy on top. Nobody wants to climb the ladder. And if I could go back, everybody asked me this, if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I would tell myself to go to work for somebody else. I would tell myself to go steal the trade secrets from the people that are doing what I want by giving up three years of my life to be their employee, because it will put you so much farther ahead at the end, because you will miss a lot of these traps and shoots and ladders that take you in the opposite direction, because you'll actually have been hands-on getting it done. Yeah, I agree. I've always been an entrepreneur my whole life. And, you know, somewhere in my 30s, I realized I should have worked for someone else to see what they were doing so I can just add rocket fuel versus taking some of the beatings that I took, you know. Right. And, you know, I mean, look, we can say that we are self-made. And if you need proof of that, I'll take <laughs> off my shirt and you can see the whip marks on my back that I've earned, right? I mean, you don't have to do that. I look at it honestly, Gary, if I would have worked for somebody from 20 to 25 or even 20 to 30, I look at some of these guys that did that. They're so far beyond me right? I have a guy that I partnered with on a deal. He worked at the bank. He really understood that. 
He got into the development side of things, really worked for other people and really understood the structure. And we did our first deal together in 17. I probably have about 150, $160 million worth of stuff going right now with another 700 doors in the pipeline. He's blown me away with no construction experience because he had all the other blocks and pieces in place and he knew how to hire the expertise and he knew where that expert fit. Where you and I, we created our organization chart and it looks a lot like this, you know, <laughs> where his looks just like it was shown at Wells Fargo. Nice. So what's in store for you in the next few years? Keep doing the new construction. Do you ever buy, you know, already built, you know, B and C class stuff or what's your... You know, we did that in the last 12 months. We've done two value adds. One was just a purely an owner run operation that just purely needed to be positioned into the market properly. And then we did a value add office. And while there's value there, I really think that going with what I know and continuing because we are in a market where we are so undersupplied that, you know, we even have cities reaching out to us going, hey, we'll give you grants and we'll give you block fund money and we'll give you, you know, urban renewal money if you'll come do this here because we need it so desperately. And what we have isn't cutting it anymore and we need more of it. So, for us, I mean, I've got about 500, 700 doors in the pipeline right now. I just put another one under contract. So we've got about 700 doors that'll be coming on in the next 36 months, plus what we've already got going. And we're always just looking for more deals that make sense in locations that are, you know, builder, developer, landlord friendly. Nice. I asked this question of all my guests. What is your asset management superpower? You know, I believe my superpower is recognizing now that we're older, like we discussed earlier, Gary, Realizing when I don't know, realizing when I need a true expert that has that real world experience. I'm not the spring chicken I thought I was or I was 20 years ago. And I've also realized that other people know this way better than I do. So allowing them to excel and getting out of my own way. A lot of people look at it that, you know, I can leap off tall buildings. I can do that. I can shut up and sit down. That sometimes is my superpowers, just realizing when I'm not the expert and hiring that person. Nice. Yeah. It's always best not to be the smartest person in the room, you know? <laughs> For me, that's not hard. I can go into just about any room. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, Sharon, I appreciate you coming on and talking about new construction and your humbleness and everything. I really appreciate it. It was great meeting you at MFIN in Seattle yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe a month ago. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. You know, the easiest way to do that is you can just send me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com or you can go to shannonrobnet.com. Either way, plug you into all of our resources and opportunity to see kind of some of the projects that we've got going. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. Thanks again, Gary. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. 